Okay, let's get started. Parsha's Truma, Tavshin Ayin Dalid, as we begin the Parshios of the Mishkan, the four Parshas, a little bit five Parshas of the uh, Malachas HaMishkan, the Tzivui, and the Command. Just scheduling note, there won't, won't be a, a Parsha this year next week. I'm going to be traveling. I'll see some of the uh, listeners of Hashem in the uh, in Chutzlaretz, but uh, there won't be a uh, a parsha shir uh, next week. Uh, okay, so let's get into Parsha's Truma. Beginning of the parsha, Hashem We'll start off with something that we mentioned a number of years ago, but it's a uh, it's a thought to take with us. So um, it's worth repeating from the Dubna Magid. The Torah lists off, as we know, all of the materials that Klal Yisrael had to bring for the Melechas <laughs> Hamishkan. Gold, silver, copper, zov, kesef, mechoshes, tcheles, argon, talashani, all the different materials, all the very fancy materials. Of course, zov is first kesef, mechoshes. The Dubna Magad points out in source number one, why does Hashem need the fanciest? Does it make a difference to God what materials we use? No, we can use any materials. Says the Magad Midubna, the source, first source, dalacha. Hashem doesn't love gold and silver chalila. Hashem loves being in a fancy house. It's not because it's valuable to God, but it's valuable to us. And because it's valuable to us, when we give it, it's valuable to God. When man gives something that is beloved to him, through that cherished, beloved item, he makes tangible his own love for HaKadosh Baruch Hu by giving it. That is what could create a bias Lashem, a Mishkan. Because, says the Dubna Magad, HaKadosh Baruch really wants one thing in the Mishkan. He wants our hearts. Rachmana libaboy, as Chazal say. Hashem wants our hearts. How can he get our hearts? Our hearts in, our, in, in us. How does he get the feelings of our hearts? If, he, if we give, and he demands something beloved to us, and then we part with that for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's the tangible chefsa that is the concretization, so to speak, of our heart. You have to give your love. How can you take a davar ruchani? The love that is so deep. So Hashem tells us to take a chefetz gashmi. Through the chefetz, the love is given over. And if a man gives something so beloved... So that's no sin, let's call it Hashem. Remember, the other nations were misguided throughout history. They took this to the degree of the most beloved item, child sacrifices. Give that to the gods. The Kodesh Baruch Hu says to us, no, that's about Zara. That's Dafka, not what I want. No, the life of a person comes first before anything. But the beloved assets, the physical, tangible items, that's what I ask for. Zav, Kesef, Unachoshes, in lieu of our heart. Okay. Moving right along, as we get into some of the of the items. Yisrael. So the Pazak starts off, the Pasha starts off, Hashem tells Moshe to command B'nai Yisrael, these are the items that I need. This is what I want collected. This is the truma that you should take from them. Zav Kasev Nechoshes. 
Treles, Argaman, Toashani, Sheish V'izim. Va'oros Elam, very, very detailed. Oros Tachashim, which we'll talk about as Hashem soon. Oil, Shemen Lamar, Besamim L'Shemen Amishcha, Besamim to use for the Shemen, Ketores Asamnim, the stones, V'chulu, the whole list. And what happens afterwards? First, Hashem commands everything that should be made. The Shulchan, and the Menorah, and the Aron, and the Ephod, as we know. Oh, I'm sorry, the Ephod is next week. And the, paro- the Parochas, and the Krushim. Everything is commanded in this week's Parsha. And we know, based on Vayak and Lepakudai, they fulfilled everything exactly like Baruch Hu told them to do. Isn't it amazing, asks Rav Saratskin, that this was the only building fund in history that right when the word was put out, they had extra. They came, and it was done. Boom, finish, enough, enough, no more, we have enough. How'd that happen? How was it? Okay, you can say they were the Dordea, but still, they weren't They weren't perfect. There was some Chatoim in the desert, just read Sefer Bamidbar. So how was it? What was the secret that here, all of a sudden, and this is the secret that anyone running a building campaign would want to know about. Right? Well, how is it? What is it that they recognized that made them go overboard and bring everything? Number one. Question number two. Ask Rav Saratskin. Usually, if you have a campaign, trying to build something, trying to collect for something, if anybody is members in Chutzlaretz of a school, of a shul, there's a building fund. It's not really a choice. It's, uh, it's expected. It's somewhat of an obligation. Why didn't Hashem demand that every Jew contribute? He didn't. Voluntary. I need voluntary. Why? Because Baruch could have made it a mitzvah. A mitzvah for that time period contribute to the Mishkan. So why not everything for the Mishkan? Says the Azayin Torah, Hadavet Sarachiyun, Halo Halachi Bebinyan Beis Haknesses, it even halachically by a shul, Shekal Makom, which by the way we're still uh, involved in. If anybody wants to uh, to join us, and uh, we thank everyone who has joined, NofeiHashemesh.com. That's not why we're having uh, this thought here. It is Parshas Truma, so that's what we talk about. Shekal Makom Sheisha Sarmi Yisrael, Kofin Zel Zel of Noslem Makom Latvila. The Rambam quotes, the Shulchan Aruch quotes that if there are people in a community. They all must contribute to the spiritual centers in that community. But here, Dafka did enforce it. It was Nadava, and they had extra. And there was no needing to force them. That's the second question he asks. Kasha, line 8. Nobody had to force them. Two mornings. Until they had to send the call. We have enough. We never have that. Never have a somebody. Okay, enough. So what is it? Two questions. To answer, we have a third question. And the third question already clues us in to the answer. And he quotes it from the Bechor Shor. Line 18. V'lo hayu mevi'in ela hadvarim ha'ru'uyin 
Usually, when you collect for something, you don't care what's given as long as it has a certain value. Obviously, money, but even items. If somebody wants to give me a valuable item, I'll take it and I'll sell it. Or I'll exchange it. And I'll use that for whatever tachlis I'm, I'm trying to gain and achieve. But here, Moshe, Kodesh Baruch Hu, and Moshe got the command, these specific items. What if somebody had something else? They had all of his wealth from the Egyptians. Right? What, if they had, what if somebody had a golden saddle? Well, that was gold. But something else that was valuable. So maybe Moshe Rabbeinu could have taken it and then exchanged it with somebody else to get Zohar Kassav the Choshes Chelas Hagaman. And yet here, Klai Yisrael were only asked and only accepted was those specific items and materials that would be used. They couldn't bring Shavah Kassav. They couldn't bring other items with the value and Moshe Rabbeinu would exchange them with other people. Not too many people around to sell them to. But Why? Why only the items that would dafka be used? Not by other collections. We have in, for the Beis HaMikdash, I could give this table to the Beis HaMikdash, I give it share, and the Beis HaMikdash takes it and sells it, and gets value. Here, no. No, we don't want anything else in your tents. We don't want your animals. They could have given the animals. No. Sell it and buy it. They didn't take anything to sell. Only exactly what was needed for the Mishkan. Only that. So why? So what, what was it that made them give so much? Why wasn't it forced? And why specifically did they only collect the items that were needed? Bottom of the column, Venira. It appears to me, says Rav Saratskin, the Aznaim Latorah, Shemi Kivan, Shekom Maaseh Hamishkan Hayetzarech Lihishoer Chai Vikayam Load. The Mishkan is going to last forever. The Mishkan will never be destroyed. The Mishkan, unlike the Svarno points this out in the beginning of Pekudei. The Mishkan was never destroyed, unlike the Batei Middash. There was something special about the Mishkan. It was the Yitzir of Moshe Rabbeinu, of B'Tzalel. It was never destroyed. It wasn't used anymore. They stopped using it after Shiloh, but it was never destroyed. And what did Chazal say? Atishitim omdim, she'omdim lo'olam olamim. Not only halakhically you have to use them straight up, but they're standing, they're standing forever. They were put away. And he quotes, If something is going to be there forever, if you tell somebody, if we tell somebody, this is going to be used for eternally, and lost in love, of course everybody's going to give whatever they want. And not going to have a problem. We will never, if we know that we're going to gain eternity, really every Asek Patsarach Yitzibar were gaining eternity. But then it was clear because the tangible items were going to be used for eternity. There might be a little break in the middle like there is now. 
But it's going to be Omeila Olamula Omeolamim Line eight Mamela Ratsa Kadishbarhu Sheya Viuachamarima Ela. That's why Hashem wanted Dafka these. I want you to get the credits. I want you to give me the exact materials that I am going to use. So you could have your name on it, your mitzvah's name on it forever and ever. No middle person. You'll give this and we'll exchange it. No, these materials. Shasidim Liz Kayem Loam Lomeolamim. Yaviu Bene Yisro Minitvas Halev Beloshem Kviya without any force. Afil Lo Bedibor Akal. Even and not even forced. Volunteer. Because I want you to get full credit. I don't want you to do it for because I force you to do it, and it's there forever, and there's plenty, and I want these specific items. That's why. It's unique. And the Nadivim, they bring it themselves. Obviously, if something is volunteered, voluntarily given, it's more valuable to Akadish Baruch Hu. Shenikdash, we have God's law of in a certain sense, but here where it's um, the Nidvas Mishkan, he says it would have more backing as a Nidava. When they heard this, it's not going to be anything that's ever destroyed. It's going to be forever. They kept giving. Here, Bulahavi, Ukimaat, they gave everything. They even had to say, it's time to stop. So once we know, and if we think about anything in life, that it's going to be forever, every mitzvah that we do is for eternity. Everything, we just don't recognize and realize it. If we would realize that everything's forever, we would give it our all. And we would give it extra, whether it's Pagashmias, whether it's our money, whether it's our time, whether it's a nice word, it's all forever. It's all v'chol ma'asecha b'sefer nechtavin, as the Mishnah says. And we have to realize, just like Klai Yisrael felt by the Mishkan, the Midbar, so too that's everything we have uh, and everything that we're able to do in the world of Avodah Hashem today. Okay, that's related to the general materials. Let's talk about one specific material that was brought. Says the Torah, some of the materials that were used for the ureos, for the curtains, va'oros elim ma'adamim, the skins of red rams, elim ma'adamim, va'oros tchashim, and the skins of the tchashim, the tachash, va'atzeishitim. Who? What was this tachash? Says Unculus, mashre sasgona. The skins of the Saskona animal. Says Mashchei de Dichre Mesamke, the skins of red rams. Mashchei Saskona, the red, the skins of the Saskona. Rashi feels the need to explain Unculus. Very unusual. That's our first question. Many times Rashi will quote Unculus. This is what the Pshat is, and this is Unculus's Pshat. Kitargumo. Here, Rashi doesn't just mention the Unkelis, he feels the need to explain the Unkelis. And the question is why. Says Rashi, Tchashim, Min Chaya. It's a type of wild animal. A Min Chaya. And it only existed for a certain amount of time. For that period in history. And it had many colors. It had a gorgeous... If we think a zebra is a 
unique, unique animal. We should have seen the Tachash. Gorgeous. It's like a, a peacock on an animal. It was unbelievable. We can't even fathom. Beautiful colors. Lakach, therefore, mitargem sasgona. That's why the mitargem, uncle's calls it sasgona. What's sasgona? The samach and the sin have an affinity. Shesas umispa'er begevanim shalom. It is happy and proud and glorifies in its colors. Adkan divrei Rashi. Question number one. Why is Rashi going so in-depth on Unculus? He never explains Unculus. He'll just quote Unculus. And here he feels the need to explain it. Question one. Question two. What does the explanation mean? Let's read it again. It's a Chaya, which only existed for a little bit of time. Only for that time. It had a lot of colors. Therefore, what's the therefore? Lekach? What does the first half of the Rashi have to do with the second half of the Rashi? It existed for a certain amount of time. It had many colors. Therefore, Unculus translates it as Saskona because it was happy and proud in, and exalted in its colors. So why does he give the explanation and what does the explanation mean? What does existing for a short amount of time help us? How does that help us to explain what Rashi says that this is the name that the Unculus gave it? This is the question that Achronim deal with. Not find this in the Rishonim, but the Achronim deal with deal with this the Mafarshim on on Rashi. Rashi is quoting a Gemara partially. If you look in the Maral Diskin, Maral Diskin talks about this, and the Chanukah Zatora, which we mentioned last week, also says the same idea. Quotes the Rashi, line five in the Maral Diskin, right on the, still on the first page. V'zorach l'havin, mazeh ha'hemshech shayechus l'zeh, mishum d'lohaya elofisha. What does Rashi mean? And the Chanukah Satora has the other question of why is Rashi even explaining Unculus? And they both say the same insightful comment to explain Rashi, to explain Unculus, to explain Rashi. And he quotes his father, Fetirates, Adoni Avi Mori. Rashi, you know what Rashi is bothered by? Whenever we read Rashi, what's bothering Rashi? If this tachash animal only existed for a certain amount of time in history, only then. So how does Uncle know how to translate it? How does he know? He never saw one. And, he ne- and nobody talks about it today out there in the world. They don't exist. And it's not like it, was, it just became extinct. It only existed for that period of time in the Midbar. Rashi's bothered by, so how does Unculus know? Sometimes when there's no translation of a word, Unculus just quotes the word. Without a translation. What's the translation of Yaakov? Yaakov! What's the translation of any name? A name! So sometimes Unculus just translates. There are different versions of Unculus on the Birchas Kohanim. Some versions of Unculus just have without a translation. So that's what Rashi is bothered by. How could Unculus translate this, whatever he translated it into, if there's no word for it in the language? That's the question. How did he know what it was called in Aramaic? It didn't have a name. 
And just to add, before we continue the Maral Diskin, turn over for a minute. Look at the language of the Chanukah Satora. The same idea. But turn over for a minute to line 5. V'yesh Levair. Remember, this is, this is the Rebbe of Heschel. 1600s. Yesh Levair. Tine Yadua. Dilechol ha-behemos v'achayos. Hayaadim ha-rishon karelem shemos. Hashem brought every animal <coughs> to Adam Rishon and he gave him a name. He saw the mahus of the animal and gave the animal a name. That's the name. Many languages started then. Arami included. But Adam didn't give a name to the Tachash. So Hashem gives a name to the Tachash. That's written in the Torah. Fine. It's called the Tachash. But how is there any translation of that word? We don't know its essence. It does not exist in the times of Unculus. It didn't exist in the times of Adam that he gave it a name. All we know is Tachash. Why didn't Unculus just say Tachash? That's what Rashi is saying. Rashi is explaining that you're right. We don't know the inherent nature and name for the Tachash. But all we know is its, are its attributes and how it's described. So Unculus says, this must have been, or this is how we are going to call it. That's what Rashi is saying. Let's back, go back to the Maral Diska now. Alzeh Marashi, back to line 13. He's not giving a translation of the word Tachash. It doesn't have a translation. Some words can, you can't translate. That's what Rashi says. What does Rashi say? It only existed for a certain amount of time and it had a lot of colors. Therefore, because it only existed, I, says Unculus, I'm not going to translate it. I'm just going to explain the name, explain what we know about it in the form of a name. Unculus says this, not based on any language out there, but he makes it up. The Alpisvara, based on his own logic. It's appropriate to call it this. This animal has such gorgeous colors, and when it functions, and when it says Shira to Hashem, like all the animals say Shira. So this is a Shira. It Flaunts in a positive way. Its colors, sas umispaer begavanim shalow, sas sas gona. What's but it's like gavan or colors. Sas, it's happy. Gavna with all its colors. Kachainu sas gona klomar she sas begavanim. Avaloze hapiri shall tevas tachash vidok. We read a Rashi. We don't think it's so exciting, but we read a Rashi who explains it. Unkelis. And now we know why Rashi felt the need to explain the Yonkelis and to explain the explanation of Lakach. That's why, because it doesn't have a name, that's why Unkelis said what he says. But again, it's not the exact translation of the word Tachash. Okay. Now we get to the major Pasuk in the Parsha, out of a few major ones, but probably the most major ones discussed. Perech Hafei Pasuches. Va'asuli Mikdash. Build for me a Mikdash. So that I could dwell therein. What is Vasuli Mikdash? Rashi says, Vasulishmi, base Kedusha. Build me a house 
that can be sanctified. And of course, Chazal say, Veshachanti Besocham, it says, in them, not Besocho, in it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu rests in each of us. Many Midrashim on this Pasuk, some we've touched on in the past. This year we'll focus on a different one. Line, source number five now, in the Osros HaTorah, line three. Says the Medrash, Mishkan. Build for me a Mishkan. Moshe Rabbeinu started wondering. Baruch's presence fills the entire world. And there's not enough room even in the entire world and universe. Baruch says, build me a house. I'm going to fit in. Imagine if an elephant would ask now, please build me a little uh, doghouse. What are you, crazy? Silly. Kodesh Baruch Hu can't fit, Moshe says. Well, what kind of mitzvah is this? Kodesh Baruch Hu says, just do it. Amar Kodesh Baruch Hu, lo kashayim sha'ata savur kach ani savur. Your thoughts aren't like my thoughts. Ella, chaf keresh patzafon v'chaf padarom. Just follow my instructions with the raw materials. Build it with the exact dimensions that I say, and I will then come rest in it. And I not only will fit into the Mishkan, I'll fit into a tiny little area in the middle of the Mishkan, between the Kruvim. I'm going to squeeze Kaviyachol. He's not physical, but he's going to rest his Shechina there. That's the Medrash. Moshe couldn't believe it. The Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I will be Mitzamsim myself. Says of Yerucham, Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't understand how HaKadosh Baruch Hu would do it. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm not interested in size. The most important part of your life and this Mishkan and Besocham is creating an abode, creating a place that I could feel comfortable with. A place that will be worthy of my presence. Says Rav Yerucham on Line 10. Amr Lakarish Barhu Moshe Al Tatama Ekahi Anagasi. this is my Anaga. Afilu Ama Al Ama Imamokum Ye Roy at Sam Sem Shinasi Vishakanti Besoko. Just make it worthy for my presence. I don't need big. I just need Tov. I need proper Avdus. The Alyamar Haadam Haina Nietzia Vesh Ena Yikola Shradashina. What how can I do it? Kodesh Baruch Hu says, if a Mishkan could fit, every single Jew has that special connection and could fit. Amsterdam, he quotes a story that Rav Tali Amsterdam once went to Rav Yisrael Salanter and said, you know, if I had, if I had your Midos, Rav Yisrael Salanter, if I had the heart of the Baal Yisod Shavu if I had the head of the Shagas then I could be an unbelievable Jew. If I had his head and his heart and his midos, I could be unbelievable. Says Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, HaKadosh Baruch doesn't want that from you. He wants you to serve him with your heart and your head and your midos and our midos and everything that we have. HaKadosh Baruch gave it to us because that's what he wants us to serve with. And he has a special connection to each of us. To each of us. Ha'adam ha'pashut v'shafel biyoter. If each of us make ourselves a mikdash, make ourselves ready to serve him, in that way he will he will rest his presence. And we all have that connection. 
Rishol Salanta's point is that we shouldn't think, oh, we have to be like somebody else. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mashkiach on every, on every Jew. Just to mention, I was listening to the radio this afternoon, in between one of my, one of the carpools. And Baruch Hashem and Eretz Yisrael, there is different Torah in the middle of the day. So I just turned it on, I was mamish in the car for three minutes. And I heard the following, I said, oh, I gotta repeat this. Person was talking and said he went to a visit a very holy man in Yerushalayim, big tzaddik, elderly man, who hasn't left his Dalit Amos of Halacha and Torah and Tefillah and stuck. He hasn't, he hasn't picked up his head in 70 years. Mamish, his whole life is just, so he says that he's not in this world. Not in this world. Very special, he doesn't say who it was. Very special man. So he went to see him this week. And the man said that, you know what, I, last night, I realized that I have to do tshuva. He says, you have to do tshuva. <laughs> what about the rest of us? He says, no, let me tell you what happened. He says, I was asked, you know, I don't really go out so much, but I was asked to, to come uh, give a shear in such and such a shul. Never been there, I didn't know. So I said, okay, you just gotta, you gotta get me a ride and I'll come. Fine. So I go, I get picked up in the car. There was a young, uh, you know, uh, a young man that took me in the car and I'm sitting in the back seats and he's in the front of driving me and all of a sudden I hear a voice. I hear a voice. And I know there's only two people in the car, my driver and myself. I hear a voice. I'm like, where's that voice coming from? But I see the driver doesn't think it's strange, so I kept my mouth quiet. I kept my mouth shut. I didn't say a word. And all of a sudden, a few minutes later, I hear, I hear it again. I heard a voice. And I heard it again. I'm like, what is going on here? This is the only... I said, I had to, I had to, I had to ask my driver. I said, is there anybody else in the car with us? And they, he said, no. I say... I say, who just told you to turn right? He says, what? Oh, you mean the GPS? He says, the what? He says, no. Oh, he picks up the GPS. He says, oh, look, this, this is what I tell you. He says, what is that? What are, you, what are you talking about? He says, no, this is, this is what tells me to turn right. He says, how does that thing know what you want to do? He's, he says, what, what, I type it in. I type, I type in my destination and it, it tells me. He says, how does that thing know everything? How does it know where to go? No. He says, Rebbe, he says, you've been out of the world too much. It's all connected to satellites. It's all connected up in space. They have Google Maps. They have a whole map of the whole world. And if you type in an address, it'll tell you exactly where to go. You make a right and a left and a right and a left. He says, really? Are you the only one that has this? <laughs> yeah, you're the, you're. He says, no, no, everybody has it. Everybody has this. They're all connected to the satellite. You're all connected to the same. He says, I don't understand. But if you type in one thing and somebody types in something else, how can it tell you to make a right at the same time that it's telling somebody else to make a left and somebody else to go straight? How does it do that? It says, no, that's, that's the godless. That's the amazing idea of this satellite. They, they put in the information and this piece of metal and plastic and, and microchips could tell everybody exactly where their destination is, where exactly they need to go, right and left, and and everybody has a unique, specific message for them. He says he heard that. He says, why is it so hard for us to realize Ashkacha Pratis? He says we have this this machine that can tell everybody what to do very specifically. Everybody has their own relationship. 
He says, Ba'asuli Mikdash Vashakanti Basokam. Says of Yisrael Salanter. He says, each Jew has that power. Kadashbarak was not looking for me to have his heart and his midos and his every Jew. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us a specific destination and he gives us the GPS. That's the Torah. And a Rebbe. And we have to follow the GPS. HaKadosh Baruch Hu also might say if we make a mistake, recalculating. He also has Izarachman. You know, it's, it's okay. But this is Vishasuli Mikdash. Every person, it doesn't matter the size. I have a relationship. I have a relationship with every person. The same idea said, he quotes after this, the Tanit Yahu quotes this about the uh, wife of Dvorah, Eishas Lapidos, but we're going to skip that. The Majors go to the Chafetz Chaim. Chafetz Chaim says the same idea in source number seven, after quoting the same Majors that Rav Yeruchim po- uh, talks about. And he says on line 13, Hashem is not looking for us to be above what our kochos can fulfill. Hashem wants us to do it. But we just got to do it. We got to take the first step. Everybody to be Right, one of the six questions. every mitzvah. We just do what are within our capabilities, and a Baruch Hu is happy with that. We have to fulfill our potential. But that's Vishakanti Besocha. Moshe Abedu says, What? How could it be? How could you fit here? Akash Baruch Hu says, I'll fit. You just build me my Mishkan. You build me a life that I could have, I could feel comfortable in, and I'll come down and I'll rest my Shekhinah up in your life, in your home, in your, in your area. <coughs> okay. Moving right along. In the footnote there, I just gave you another quote from the Chafetz Chaim. He quotes, there's a better, in terms of learning, to review something more than, many times versus going further. And Vakias, go look at that footnote that was on this uh, piece of Gemara. But either way, Rachman Alibabai, as long as we do what a Kaddish Baruch wants, Kaddish Baruch Hu's presence will rest. There's another Medrash on the Pasuk. There are various Midrashim. But there's another one quoted by the Be'er Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Misalant. Source number nine. Va'asu Aron. <coughs> this one is on the Aron and then connected to Va'asu Li Mikdash. On the top. Why by all the Kalam is it a singular Lashon? You make for me. Yashon Yachid. And by the Aron Va'asu, plural. Am Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shalom, Am Le'echadosh Baruch Hu. Yavo'akol v'yasku ba'aron, k'deshe yizku kulam ha'Torah. The Aron symbolizes Torah. That's why it's plural. Everybody has a chelik in Torah. That's the only keser, says the Mishnah Perkyavos, that's open to all. Keser Malchus is not. Keser Kahuna is not. Keser Torah is Munach Lakol. Maksiv Lamalav Asuli Mikdash. Part one of the Medrash. Fa'asuli Mikdash, Fa'asu Aron is in plural. We can all be zochet to the Torah. Then you have the second half of the Medrash. There are three Mishalim given to describe the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Am Yisrael. Line 4. Amr HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael. Atem tsoni va'ani ro'eh. It sounds like the tefillah we see on Yom Kippur. Right? You are my sheep and I am the shepherd. Shene'emar, the Pasuk says in Yechezkel. 
ve'etain sonit son marisi adamatem v'ani roe roe Yisrael v'hazina. Hashem says, "I'm the shepherd. You're my sheep. Asu dir l'roe sheyavo v'yira etzchem. Please make make an area where I could shepherd you. Asu dir l'roe and make a place where the shepherd could stay." Shenemar v'asuli mikdash v'shachanti b'socham. The first marshal given is a shepherd and his sheep. Number two, atem kerem. You are a vineyard. Shenemar ki kerem Hashem tzvakos beis Yisrael va'ani shomer and I am the guard of that vineyard. Shenemar hinei lo yinu v'loyishon shomer Yisrael. He's the guard. Asu socha l'shomer sheyishmor eschem. Please make me a hut. A socha is a little hut in the area of the of the vineyard where the guard stays to watch the vines. So please make for me, make for me a place to be. Atem, and that's Vasuli Mikdash. And third, Atem Banim Vyani Avichem. You are my children, you are my sons, and I am your father. Shinamar Banim Atem Lashem Alokechem Ani Avichem Kiyitili Yisrael Laav. Kavod l'banim k'shein eitzel avihem. It's a covenant for the sons when they're next to their father. The kavod la'av k'shu eitzel banav. And it's a covenant to the father when he's next to the sons. Asu bayitz la'av. Please make sure you build me an apartment. Sheyavovi yishre eitzel banav. I always want to come visit you. L'kach nemer v'asuli mikdash. So we have three descriptions by the Medrash. We have a shepherd with his sheep. We have a guard of a vineyard with his grapes, with his vines, and we have a father and a child. Two questions asked the Be'er Yosef. Yesh l'havin. Ma, first major question is, what's the message of the three? We know that the Medrash Rabbah was written by the Tanoim. They gave these drushes in their shuls. What's the message? What's the message of this Medrash? What's the message? Number one. Number two. What's the connection between the first half of the Madrash, which segued into the second half of the Madrash? What's the first half of the Madrash? Everybody has a chalik in Torah. Vashin Rabim. Vasu Aron. Vasu Limikdash. And that flows right into the second half of the Madrash. These three mishalim for the relationship between Hashem and Am Yisrael. What's the connection? Says the Ber Yosef. One point of introduction, and then we'll get into the three. The Efshar Let me explain. The Medrash is continuing what it said earlier. By all the kalim, it says lashon yachid v'asisa u'ba'arin k'siv v'asu aron lashon rabim. And the medrash says because the Baruch Hu wants to say that each and every Jew has that connection to Torah, has that connection. Where is that in every generation? Shalachin k'siv v'asu lashon rabim v'asu aron is plural because the Torah is connected to every Jew. Where is that Torah? Where is the center of that Torah? Vasuli Mikdash, Vishakanti Besocham. Lahoros Lanu, Sheha Aron Shebonusunim Luchosa Aidus Vatarava Mitzvah, Sarah Vizakuku, Am Yisrabachaladoros. In every generation, the Jews need that connection. A Jew needs that connection to Torah and Mitzvos. Ubachalat Kufos. Uvachal Matsav 
In every situation in Galus that a Jew finds himself, the way, the key to survival, his lifeline, is his connection to the Aron and the Luchos and where they are housed. Where is that in every generation? The Torah in the Aron. We don't have a Mikdash. Obviously, it's our spiritual centers. As the Gemara says in Masechah's Megillah, It's the shuls, it's the yeshivas, it's the Bate Medrash, the places where Torah radiates out from. That connection that a Jew has is what keeps the Jew and the Jewish people going throughout the generations. Line 32 on the bottom now. Mavuar mikolzeh. Shabbat iknesios. Bati midrashos. Daladamu shel halacha. V'chalmakam sheoskim batorah. That's va'asuli mikdash. That's the first half of the medrash. That every Jew can and needs that connection to Torah and the Aron and va'asuli mikdash and to the makomos hakadoshim in their generation. And now the medrash says... It applies in every single type of situation that a Jew might find themselves in. That's the three. Let's see. Line 36. Since the time that the Jew, Am Yisrael, went to Gullis almost 2,000 years ago, there's always two types of Gullios, two types of environments that we find ourselves in. Each one changes based on place, based on culture. Yesh, number one now, sometimes we find ourselves in a land, and this is most of the time, looking back at our history, everywhere we turn, every step we take, we realize and recognize we are strangers. We are the outcasts. We are the low level of society. They're the, we're the Jews. Geirim gerurim. Hein be'inei hamon am. How many times in the past 2,000 years has there been different laws for the Jews? And we travel and we're nomadic from place to place and from city to city and from land to land. We have to struggle. Golos, real Golos. And we can feel that it's Golos. We are like sheep that are abandoned, that are forsaken. We're left to, to the elements, to the wolves. Like Yermio says, witness the Chorban, the said that scattered. We're wandering sheep. Like a sheet that's looking for a makomira going up and down the mountains and the valleys. That's one type of situation that we might be in. And what do we think when we're in, the, when, we're in this, when we are in these situations? Vihine. One might think 
What's the point? We're downtrodden anyway. We're forsaken anyway. Could it be any worse? What's the purpose of the connection? What's the purpose of having the Makomos Akdusha, of being connected to them? HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm your shepherd. You're my sheep, but I'm your shepherd. Line 15. To remove this thought of there's no need in that, this type of situation. We have the connection of Asuli Mikdash, the first half of the Medrash, to the first description. The sheep and the shepherd. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you're scattered, you're forsaken, but you know what? If there wouldn't be a shepherd watching you from behind the scenes, then you would never survive, even in these difficult situations. Ki al Naturally, if we wouldn't have GPS capital G watching us, it is impossible that we would be able to ever survive. Every other nation that has been so downtrodden does not exist anymore. They're totally wiped out. Even if we would be forsaken, we would be removed and we will be totally wiped out. So that's the first mashal. You need that connection to the Makamah to the Torah, to the Aron. When you're a sheep, you still need that shepherd. And then we have the opposite. Turning over the page. The opposite situation. He finishes up first in the first paragraph. He finishes explaining why we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Line 16. You have to realize the connection between the shepherd and the sheep even in those cases. Good. Line 22. There are other times that we're living in a certain galus. And the Nations around us show us a happy face and a welcoming face as has taken place in various countries throughout history. And we have full rights as citizens in these countries. We could have rights and we have could own land. Any business we can have any job we want. We go up in the government. We're equal. There's no difference. Here too. In this type of situation, maybe it's even easier to think in this type of situation. We're fine. We don't need any type of special protection, connection to Torah and mitzvahs. We're good now. We're fine. We're flexible. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you're a vineyard. You're growing nicely. You think you have delicious grapes. You think everything is wonderful and you're, and you're, he doesn't say this, but you're wrapped, a vine, we pointed out in the past, is the only type of tree that needs a support. It does, it's not exi- it does not on its own. It needs to be wrapped around a stand, a bar, a, something else, a fence. You think you're so strong, you need the guard. You need the Shomer because nothing lasts forever. No comfort in any Gullahs throughout history has lasted forever. I'm here. And you need to keep that connection to me even when you feel comfortable and even when we feel that we have everything and we're, we don't need to be so 
committed to a higher authority. No, you need to you need to realize that that I'm the guard of this kerem, and if I remove my mates menacharakim, then the vine is just going to fall apart and fall down. Line twelve. You are the vine of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. You are not a kerem of any other. The day will come, as we have seen history repeat itself over and over again, where the countries in which Jews have been throughout history has thrown them out and has had enough of them until they have to go travel to another land. Hopefully this time, the next time, Hashem will only be in Eretz Yisrael. But that's the kerem and that's the shomer. But ultimately, says the Ber Yosef, a Toshav Eretz Yisrael, the ultimate relationship that HaKadosh Baruch Hu dreams of and that we dream of is not being committed to Torah and to the Aron and Masli Mikdash when we are the sheep with the shepherd or when we are, we are the vine with the Karen, with the Shomer, but when we are children to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and that's in Eretz Yisrael, in his land, which he told us to be in, that's the ultimate, Vasuli Mikdash. The last paragraph. Oh, let's let's go to the previous one, line nine. Calls them Yisrael Galusam. Then we have these Mishalim. Ulam Iker Tachlis Basias Hamikdash Vashraz Hashchina. Ultimately, what's the ultimate goal of the Beis Hamikdash? Who Kishe Yisrael Yashvul Al Masam BeEretz Yisrael. The Yivnu Beis Hamikdash Beis Nachum Benisa Beis Olamim. That's the goal. That's the ultimate, that's the ideal, idyllic state that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the relationship to be. A father and a son. And that's the last one that's given in the Medrash. But all three are connected to that first half of the Medrash of Asuli Mikdash V'Shachanti Besoch. Remember, when you read one of these, you realize why Rav Shlomo Zalman told him, you got to write down your drushes. you got to print it for the ages. you got to give it to Klal Yisrael. Okay, moving right along. So we have all the different kalim in the parsha, except for the Mizbeach Hazav. One of them is the Shulchan, which housed the twelve Lachmei Hapanim. Lachmei Hapanim, source number eleven. I don't think we ever quoted from this. We've had the author, author, but not the sefer. Ben Sion Firer, who has a couple of different svarim now, Panim Asviros Latorah, and here he has one volume, L'Shab Sosu L'Moadim. So there he talks about. He has two points. Number one, he talks about. The relationship between the shulchan and the breads and the menorah and the flames. The shulchan had 12 loaves, 12 shvatim. They were each exactly equal to each other. Lechem was equal. The menorah, all the flames were not equal. The outer ones pointed to the middle one and the middle one went straight up. Different levels. They're not all equal, right? They, they didn't even have all the equal oil. Some of them burned for longer than the other ones. Interesting. What's the message of that? In Misparan, where it's underlined, Shel chalos lachem apanim ha'ikeneged mispar ha'shvatim, haresh ha'shiran ha'achid shalach ha'chalos balahashvos es ha'shvatim. The lechem somehow symbolizes equality. Perachafei pasaglamid. All equal. The shvatim are all equal. While the neros of the menorah, there's, there's no equality there. There's different levels. Says Rebbe when it comes to Gashmias, which is symbolized by the Shulchan, 
Harosa Shayashir Yatspin, look at the Shulchan, the Gemara says. Then we have to look at it as we're all equal. Right? We shouldn't be looking around. Nobody has more rights than anybody else. Hashem gives us what we need. Everybody has different needs. But there's no need to look around and yearn for more. Just try to keep the Hasameach Bechelko, we all have our Chelek. The menorah, Harotza Sheyachim Yadrim. You want to become wise, look south, look to the menorah. The menorah symbolizes Torah and Chachma. Then we always have to be searching for more. And looking towards that middle flame and searching. As the Pasuk says, Kinah Sofrim Tarbechachma. That's the one jealousy that's good. I want to know more Torah. I want to know as much Torah as he knows in a good way. The flames aren't all equal. And the flames themselves are jumping up. Flame is a very ruchani, ruchani, tangible. It's not even tangible, but it's a ruchani item in this world. But that's why the flames weren't all equal, even though the breads were equal. Number one. Number two, he says, I have another thought about the lechem apanim. Very creative thought. And that is, we know the lechem apanim stayed on, as the Gemara says in Masechus, Yuma stayed on the shulchan all week. And the following week, it was switched every Shabbos. So they took off the lechem upon him on Shabbos. Much of the avoda in the base Hamigdash was doche Shabbos. Why was, was the lechem upon him, to preface with this, it was baked on Friday. It was just switched on Shabbos. Why wasn't it baked on Shabbos too? It's baked. The avoda of the carbon tamid, everything that had to be done on Shabbos was done on Shabbos. Why bedafka? Was the Afias Lechem Apanim done on Friday? And if it was Yantif, it was done on Thursday. Rosh Hashanah. So it was, it was not Doche, Shabbos or Yantif. Why not? You switched it on Shabbos, just bake it that morning. Yes, there was a nace that it lasted the whole week anyway, and it was fresh and hot a week later. But why? Why Dafka before? Again, he says, what does the Lechem Apanim symbolizes? Lechem symbolizes our Parnassah. It symbolizes everything that Hashem gives us in this world. Lest the person think that he has to be Mechal Shabbos for his Parnassah. He says, no. Afiyah Salechem is before Shabbos. It's before Shabbos. Whatever you do before Shabbos, you'll have plenty on Shabbos. And you know what? Says if it's inferior, it's just as delicious and fresh a week later. You don't lose anything by it's not being Doche Shabbos. Bottom right. The setting it up on Shabbos. It should have been done. And then he says, top of, top of the, the column. Our bread, the bread, we bring home the bread. The bread that we bring home has to be baked before Shabbos. Lechem upon him, Baal Saberas Ozen. It makes us realize Kilobin Afshoya Viadam as Lachmo. And Lahasak is a lechem in Mikhir Erkam, Shanevish Talu Tuliabahem. Even even the bread that we got from Shamayim was not Dokashadis. We even got that on Friday. We got a double portion. Because when it comes to bread, which symbolizes as the Sefer Chinuch talks about at length on the mitzvah of Birchas Hamazon, bread is the staple, it symbolizes all of our Physical assets. It's not Docha Shabbos. Chas v'shalom. Everything is done before Shabbos. And on Shabbos, it tastes fresh. And even a week later, Kodesh Baruch Hu has it all worked out. Everything that we need.
You can read it inside, but uh, it's all there. One more thought related to the parsha, and then we'll have one other thought in Yonadiyom. The menorah. We can talk about each of the kalim. Yeah, we got a. One has to search, and one finds messages in every parsha. One of my talmidim came over to me this after yesterday afternoon and said, "Giving a parsha here this week." I said, "Bez Hashem." He says, "Truma." He says, "You can find that truma." I said, "Every parsha, son, you gotta you gotta search different places." But every parsha obviously has tremendous messages for us. The menorah, as we know, is one of the hardest kalim to make, if not the hardest kli. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't figure it out. And Chazal even tell us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to show Moshe Rabbeinu and Betzalel a picture, visual aid, to know how to make the menorah. What was so hard? It was all miksha. It all had to be made from one slab of gold. All of the kosos and the kaftorim and the gevim, all the intricate designs that were on all seven arms, all seven branches of the menorah, all had to be miksha. What's the message? It's all miksha. We've spoken about this in the past. But this year we'll do the Chavetz Chaim, second Chavetz Chaim of the evening. Chavetz Chaim says, as we just mentioned, the menorah means, is a symbol of Chachma and Chachma Satorah. And the Chavetz Chaim says, all of Torah is connected. All of Torah is a unit. As the Tosefta writes in Mesechah Sanhedrin, Kol HaTorah Kula Inyan Echad. All of Torah is a unit. Specifically, he says, Torah Shebechzav, Torah Shebalpeh, everything is from Sinai. We might add in Dinim Daraisa, Dinim Darabadan, everything. It's all miksha. Every cup, every flower, everything about the menorah, which symbolizes Chachmas HaTorah, it's all miksha. It's all connected. It's all one unit. We cannot bifurcate any part of Torah from the other. I'll accept this, I'll do that. It's a package deal. And it's miksha, that's the menorah. This is also explained beautifully by the Archa Shulchan in his introduction to Choshen Mishpat. He has an introduction to each one of the Chelki Shulchan Arach. So there he talks about, he has a, just a beautiful formulation where first he mentions, he says, there's no mitzvah in the Torah that's understandable without Torah Shaval Pet. It's impossible. How do we understand any mitzvah? Just read the Torah. And if we think we can understand it, we're being mis... Tfilin. What's Tfilin? It's impossible. What's Malachan Shabbos? Impossible. He goes through in the second paragraph. He says, you name it, the, the Dalin Minim, and Mitzvah's Beit Adam HaChavero, and Tzitzis, and Shechita. There's nothing in Torah uh, There's a lot in Torah Shabbat But there's so much behind it. You can't, we can't start to understand Torah Shabbat without knowing that there's another, there's an instruction manual. How to understand Torah Shabbat That's Torah Shabbat Peh. But look at his formulation on the bottom of the first paragraph in Source 13. He writes, As we know, the Gemara says in Gittin that the main bris that we have with the Kaddish Baruch was Torah Shabal Peh. The Torah Shabal Peh no senes ruach chayim b'Torah Shabichsav. The Torah Shabal Peh is what breathes life in the Torah Shabichsav. And here's the line: Ukeshem shahanish shama no senes ruach chayim beguf haAdam k'mochein atar Shabal Peh. No senes ruachayim b'Torah shebechsav. The Torah shebechsav is the neshama of Torah shebechsav. A goof without a neshama is not alive. Torah shebechsav without Torah shebechsav is not a Torah shayim. Not a Torah shayim. Ki ustuma v'chasuma v'ein ba'av mitzvah achas mevu'eres. Just a hosafa to this is something we mentioned years ago. I forgot which parsha it was. 
that the tour expanded upon by the Kafachaim says that before we get an Aliyah, we say, Asher Bachar Banu Mikal Amin Bachar Banu. So the tour writes that first bracha is referring to Torah Shabbat Sav. And then afterwards we say, Why? Because, explains the Kavachayim, I think it's the Kavachayim. You go up to the Torah, you get an Aliyah, we see cloth in front of us, we see words in front of us, we make a bracha, we think just what's in front of us is all that's there, Torah Shabbat But then after the Aliyah, we read it and we realize there's so much depth, there's so much more that we don't know. And we have to we have to search and delve. That's why we make a bracha on Torah Shabbat Peh. The Chayi Ola Natav Zacheinu. That's the Neshama of Torah. It says, and that's the bracha that we make after we get the Aliyah. Okay. One final point related to Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, as we have the schus of celebrating this this Shabbos. It's Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh. A thought that I might have mentioned in past, but it doesn't come up so often, that we get to make a comment about Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, just a halachic thought which has hashkafic connotations. And that is, there's a machlokas. It's a machlokas quoted in the tour in Simen Kuf Pei Zayin. And this thought is meant to help us understand what type of day exactly is this, this Shabbos. The tour quotes, we know the rule is, when do, we have to, when do I have to repeat benching if I forgot to say something in benching that I was supposed to say? So the rule normally is, if there was a chiv to eat bread, then I have to repeat. So on Shabbos, if I forgot to say, I have to repeat benching. On the first two meals. If I forget yalav on a yantif meal, then I have to repeat benching. But on a day which I didn't have to eat bread, for example, Chanukah, Alanisim, or even Rosh Chodesh, Yalav Yavo, I don't have to repeat. That's the general rule. What happens, ask the tour, if I forget, this Shabbos I bench, and I said Ritzay, and I forgot to say Yalav Yavo. Says the tour, what's the simple, what would you say? You don't have to repeat. Why? Because it's Yalav Yavo. You don't have to eat bread because of Rosh Chodesh. You only have to eat bread because of Shabbos. So as long as you said Ritzay, it's okay. And that's what the Torah quotes in his first opinion. But then the Torah quotes his brother. The Torah, Rabbi Yaakov Balaturim, the son of the Rush, quotes his brother, Rabbi Chiel, who was also the son of the Rush. And he says, Some argue, The two sons of the Rush thought that if this Shabbos, you forget Yal Yavo in benching, you have to repeat benching. Even though on every other Rosh Chodesh you do not. Why? Because, Lamaisa, this is a meal that you had to eat bread, says the tour. Sof, sof, lo sagi to lo achil, What's the machlokas about? What is the, what is the svar for the tour? Yalav yavo is Rosh Chodesh, you don't have to eat bread for Rosh Chodesh. <coughs> so, the achronim suggests, maybe the machlokas is rooted in, how do we view this Shabbos? Is it Shabbos, kama, Rosh Chodesh? Or is it Shabbos hyphenated, Rosh Chodesh? Is it, are, are there two special elements that we're going to have this Shabbos? It's Shabbos and this Rosh Chodesh. Unbelievable. Or no. You know what it is, this Shabbos? It's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. It's a unit that, it's not Shabbos and it's not Rosh Chodesh. It's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. If that's the case, then we understand the tour. Because now this is Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, which requires, we're saying, Yalav Yavo. Unlike the other opinions, I know it's Shabbos and it's Rosh Chodesh. It's double on the same day. But it's not a, a different idea. 
Many, many other halachic issues that might be connected to this, just to give you one other. I gave you a machlokas between Ramosha Faisin and Ramosha Zalman. <laughs> Ramosha had a case. There was somebody that was taken to jail on Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. And he was in jail, and he didn't have a sitter. And he didn't know Atta Yatsarta by heart. So he said, he counted Shabbos. He said the regular Musaf, Shmona Esrei for Shabbos. And then when he got out, Ramosha says, told him to say the, he got out that day, to say the weekday Rosh Chodesh Shmona Esrei. Because after all, Ramosha says, he was already Yotzei Shabbos. He said, he counted Shabbos. So now just say the weekday Shmona Esrei. The weekday Rosh Chodesh Shmona Esrei. That's where Moshe writes in Surah 16. And Rav Shlomo Zalman says, No! It's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh today. So what? You said to count the Shabbos. What are we passing? We passing. If you see to count the Shabbos by, heart, by mistake, you've got to say, Atiyatzarto. If you finish one Esrei. So again, what's the machlokas? Rav Moshe understands that it's Rosh Chodesh and it's Shabbos. You were Yotzi Shabbos? Good. So now be Yotzi Rosh Chodesh. Says Rav Shlomo Zalman, No! No, it's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. It's an unbelievable day that only comes up once every couple of months. It's not Rosh Chodesh. It's not Shabbos. It's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. And that is a unique day. And we have to appreciate exactly what we are going to have. Okay, Ramosha, by the way, wrote that it was a Rosh Chodesh Teves. So we are, it's Rosh Chodesh Shvat. So we're off by one, off by one month. That's when he was uh, in Luban. But uh, anyway. Okay, again, next week, there will not be a... Uh, Parshas here, those will be, uh, be in Riverdale, I'll be in West Hempstead for Shabbos, Mozi Shabbos in Riverdale, Sunday morning in Teaneck, Monday night in, in, uh, in Boca, Hashem, hopefully to see some of the, uh, the Talmidim, and uh, we can learn together in those places as well. Okay, we'll stop here.